Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Welcome, everyone, to episode 53 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico, and as always, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this humble U.S. Latino podcast. We do it with a lot of love, uh, but let's jump to the big, big headline that's happening in the Hispanic market. Right now, it's Univision versus Verizon, or some people might say Verizon versus Univision. I'm not sure if you've caught what's been going on. Looks like Verizon canceled. Univision from their lineup, from their Fios lineup. So if you have like Time Warner or Spectrum or Charter, that's your cable subscriber. For a lot of people, that's Comcast. For Verizon customers, that's Fios. And uh, they carry about 4.7 million subscribers and uh, they no longer have Univision. And that's a big, big deal because right now with Puerto Rico and Mexico and what's happening in Houston and Florida and the California fires, you kind of need Univision to really talk about the Hispanic news that targets Hispanic audiences. In other news, Conor McGregor, you know him. He's probably the biggest MMA fighter in the world right now. Just finished fighting uh, Floyd Mayweather, made millions and millions of dollars. Well, now he's getting a new documentary called Notorious, which is getting a U.S. release um, and it's being released uh, theatrically by a company called Trafalgar Releasing. And it's going to be happening one night only on November 8th, November 8th. And it's going to be presented alongside an exclusive interview with McGregor himself. I'm not sure if he's going to show up. A lot of movie studios do this where they just do like a regular screening. And then all of a sudden, Christopher Nolan comes out, you know, talking about Dunkirk in a Q&A. So I think it'll be something along those lines. This guy... I mean, he's no longer an MMA fighter. Conor McGregor has become a businessman within the business of entertainment. He's a showman. You know, he fights Mayweather in what is a a gimmick fight, for all intents and purposes, with the mission to just make money off of this. And we all, obviously, were suckers for it, that whoever paid the $99, uh just fed him all that money. And I think they don't probably don't mind. Then I just found out recently that he's might he's negotiating with the WWE and Vince McMahon to do a one night appearance. Most likely it'll probably be WrestleMania. Fans will probably go crazy. But he's a small man, so I don't think even the lightest of wrestlers uh would be afraid of him. Eh, it'd be interesting. So I'm not sure if you caught the Somos Una Voz telethon uh, that Jennifer Lopez, Alex Rodriguez, and Mark Anthony uh, put together. Awkward, 
with exes in the same room negotiating. Uh, no jealousies whatsoever, Mark? A-Rod? <laughs> it's great for Jennifer. She gets to hang out with two people she cares about. Um, but yeah, so this telethon was raising funds for Puerto Rico. Vin Diesel came out. Bruno Mars performed in Spanish, believe it or not. Uh, Demi Lovato was there. I mean, Ellen DeGeneres. This was a very cool sort of collision between mainstream pop culture and Hispanic pop culture. Uh, Latin American Hispanics and U.S. Hispanics coming all together for one great cause. And that was the Sumo Sunavos. And I think they did a fantastic job, believe it or not. Uh, there were a lot of uh, mix-ups here and there. But um, overall, they raised $35 million in pledges. And that ultimately is what you were looking for. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda did a song called Almost Praying that shot up the charts at number one. So everyone's been chipping in, man. Everyone's been chipping in. Now I just heard that Eva Longoria and Eugenio Derbez have teamed up together uh, to raise funds for the earthquake in Mexico. Let's see how that goes. Uh, Hopefully everybody will chip in their time as well. Uh, in other news, uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper is getting a documentary for you WWE fans. Finally, I'm not sure if you guys saw the movie They Live, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a great B-horror science fiction type of uh, movie. And uh, Rowdy Piper was the star of that. But mostly, I just loved him from wrestling. I used to own a doll. Uh, you know, a lot of my memories of wrestling revolve around Rowdy Rowdy Piper. And uh, this, uh, now that he's passed away, they're, they're kind of giving an homage through this documentary. Moving on to television and music, Menudo is getting its own biopic series. Now, we don't know exactly when it's going to air or what channel it's going to air on, but you can count that this biopic is going to happen, and I raise my hand in wanting to see that. This is the original Hispanic Latino boy band. Uh, I used to sing their songs when I was a kid, they're from the 80s, and uh, they went through different iterations. I mean, there, were, there must have been like six, seven different versions of, of Menudo, one including Ricky Martin, you know, and he he says that that was one of the major influences in him in him being the star that he is today, so I can't wait to see that. Uh, if they're going to really go there, they should talk about the sexual abuse that is rumored to have been going on with their manager. Uh, and uh, a lot of the kids that have come out, but no one's been listening. Maybe now with the Harvey Weinstein scandal of sexual harassment, etc. Um, maybe this might be the time to come out. Did you guys get a chance to see the new Black Panther trailer? Oh my God. Awesome. Here, here's a quick listen. I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hola. A lot of people are saying that this has the potential to become the franchise hero of Marvel Studios, replacing Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. It'd be great if, if that were the case. Uh, probably every A-list African-American actor in Hollywood is in this movie, except Viola Davis, but she's also a part of the Marvel Universe in a way. And then finally, Netflix finally released The Day I Met El Chapo, the Kate Del Castillo story. 
Now, for those of you that might have forgotten what happened, Rolling Stone came out with an article uh, sometime last year, and Sean Penn had written it, the actor, Sean Penn. And it was that him and Kate Del Castillo ended up meeting El Chapo somewhere in some undisclosed area and had an interview with him. And a lot of people, obviously, it was very controversial because why are these two people talking to such an evil man that's killed so many people? And um, they all wanted to talk to Kate. I think Kate did an interview with Diane Sawyer for ABC. Uh, I'm not sure how the ratings went for that. But Kate never truly answered a lot of questions that people still wanted to know about. And this Netflix series, which is three episodes, it's already, you can watch it right now. Uh, She goes in depth. I haven't seen it, but she goes supposedly, supposedly in depth on why she decided to do this and it sounds to me like money but i want to talk to you about two of the guests that i have on the show this week one of them is mandy gonzalez many of uh, broadway fans know her as nina rosario from in the heights about almost a decade ago she's currently in the role of angelica schuyler in hamilton but she also has a brand new album called fearless that just dropped this week and that title track was written by none other than Lin-Manuel Miranda. So her and I basically talked about what that craft of putting her first album together was and what it felt like to have Lin-Manuel Miranda write her first single. As well, she's going to be performing at the Carlisle Cafe in New York City. How is she preparing for that concert? A lot of emotions, uh, I'm assuming. And uh, we talked about her being Latina in the arts nowadays. Did her last name Gonzalez, by any chance, ever give her any difficulties? Hmm. Well, we talked to her about that. Plus, uh, I got Rich Greenfield on the phone. He'll be coming on very soon to talk about this Univision Verizon issue. He is a media futurist and tech analyst at BTIG, and is probably one of the most quoted men in Wall Street. Um, and he'll break down exactly what it is that Verizon did or Univision did to tick each other off. Whatever they did, it's ugly. It's an ugly war of words, and there's even major lawyers and legal action that has been taken because of this. Are Hispanics the innocent victims here? We ask him. Besides that, keep your headphones on. This is the Highly Relevant Podcast. I have the honor now to welcome one of my favorite Broadway actors and actors in general, Mandy Gonzalez is on the show. Mandy, uh, thank you for being on the Highly Relevant Podcast. Hi, I'm so thrilled to be here. Hello. Well, I'm, if you're thrilled, imagine me. The album is called Fearless. It's seven tracks, comes out October 20th. Um, where did the idea of doing this album start for you? Well, I've always wanted to do an album, and I think that as an artist in New York, um, when you're on your path and on your journey, uh, sometimes you go all different ways, you know, but I think that the thing is, is to prepare for whatever Mm -hmm. and to be ready when somebody gives you the chance. So I was doing a lot of concerts, um, as well as doing Hamilton, but on Monday nights I would do concerts out in New York city. That's the joy of New York city. Anything's possible. And so, um, I had a couple of producers approach me that said, we'd love to do an album. And I said, absolutely. And this is what I want to do. So I was ready. So you were ready. I contacted, I was ready and I contacted um, my dear friend, Bill Sherman, who did the orchestrations for He's a producer um, of the Heights album. and who's, 
yes, he, he did produce the album and he also wrote a couple tracks, um, for the album. So he's also a writer. And, um, and so I approached him and I said, look, I'm doing this album. It's my first album and I want you to produce it. <laughs> and so he said, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, I felt so blessed because I felt like this was going to be a very personal album and I wanted to be around a team that knew me really right. well. And Bill and I have been friends for the past 10 years and he knows my voice so well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one thing that started with this album is I started this thing called Fearless Squad on social media. Hashtag Fearless Squad started um, because I wanted to have a place where people can go to feel like they had a support team to support all of their dreams. I mean, don't you think everybody needs a Fearless Squad? Absolutely. Jack, I think, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am without mine. So <laughs> I thought if people didn't have a Fearless Squad... I wanted them to be part of mine. So I wanted to start this movement where, and it, it started with a picture of me and my friends and um, a hashtag. And it kind of grew into to a movement that continues to grow where thousands of people are posting pictures of their fearless squad. On the ham app, they've also um, added a photo filter that has hashtag fearless squad. So you can post pictures easier and people share them and people want to be part of, People ask, can I be part of your squad? How do I get to be part of the Fearless Squad? It's like a community. And um, it's a community. And it's a community based around... Positivity. Allowing, elevating people and allowing them... Yeah, positivity. But also, you know, we talk about a lot of things going on. We talk about the issues, but we listen to one another and mm-hmm. we um, embrace each other's differences. That's, a, that's part of the squad rules. And so in that way, I feel like we learn a lot. I learn a lot from them and um, we grow together. So I wanted to make sure that when I made this album, that it was in tribute to the Fearless Squad and it had an anthem for the Fearless Squad. So Bill and I got together and Bill said, yeah, I think Lynn, um, Lynn should write a song for your album. Now, was that easy we'll to do it. with his schedule? Because I know he was uh, off in London. Yeah, no, I think the thing with Lynn is that it makes him so brilliant is his mind is always moving and he's always always busy and he he loves what he does so i thought hey why not take a chance and and i'll write him and see you know it i wouldn't want um to make an album without having his voice on my album because he's so much a part of um what people hear of my voice out there you know when people listen or think of me they think of the song breathe and so I think I know his music so well. I know how he writes, and mm-hmm. I know his um, intonations, and and I just uh, would have loved it. So I wrote him a, a nice letter, and I just said how much he means to me, and um, right away he said, of course, I'll write a song. How quickly and did so, the song come um, to him? Do you know? Well, we talked about it. You know, um, Lynn had asked what the Fearless Squad, what it means to me, Fearless. And so I talked to him about the Fearless Squad and all these different people that I've met through the Fearless Squad. And then I also talked to him about my own parents and their fearlessness and how they met. Um, My father was drafted to Vietnam when he was 18 years old. And my mom and my father's Mexican-American. And he grew up as a migrant and he um, traveled all around the United States um, 
Thank you, sir. He traveled all around the United States, like uh, picking crops and doing things with his family. They settled in California. Mm-hmm. At 18, my father was drafted to a totally different place. And because my father's family worked so hard, nobody was writing to him. And so there were a lot of soldiers that didn't have anybody to write to them. Right. So they reached out to um, different organizations. And my mom was one of those people um, and uh, just a young girl who wanted to help. And so she said that she would write to the soldiers that didn't have anybody writing to Aww. them. She wrote to my father, and they fell in love through letters, and they corresponded throughout his time in uh, Vietnam. And when he came home, he went home and uh, to Northern California, and he got in his car, and he drove down to my mom's house. And oh, my God. This is, a ro- this is a romantic movie. This is a romantic. This should be made yeah. into a movie. Well. Well, right now it's being written to a, it was written to a song and that song is fearless. And, um, and I told Lynn the story and Lynn said within two weeks, I think Lynn had just finished Mary Poppins and, uh, within two weeks, Lynn wrote me the song and, uh, when Bill and I first heard it, I cried and I said, this is incredible because this album is about so many different things for me, you know, as an artist, like having an album and having your voice live on is is an incredible thing um but then to also have your parents story live on is even better because they're why i'm here they have been my support system and i think that anybody who feels like uh who feels down or feels like they need to be inspired i think that they can also look to my parents story for inspiration of uh people that come from two different worlds and come together through love so that's um that's how all this came to be. Seven tracks. Um, Fearless starts right now. Que Sera, Sera, the classic. Mm-hmm. Life is Sweet with Chris right. Jackson. Every right. day, smile yeah. and breathe. Mm-hmm. Can you sum up what the sound that you were looking for is? For me, Fearless sounded, it had sort of a pop, inspirational, but very also Broadway-esque sort of sound. How would you describe the rest of the tracks or, or, or the overall sort of sound of the album? I think Bill and I were very conscious that when we made the album, we wanted it to sound like me. And I think when you're a theater performer and you're going to make an album, sometimes it can sound a certain way and it's beautiful, but that's not me. I sing all different kinds of ways. I sing you know, all different kinds of music. And so I think that this album is about paying tribute to to that sound and finding the stories as a storyteller that allow me to, um, to express that sound as best as possible. And I think that it also opens the door for theater performers who feel like when they, when they want to make an album or they have to make an album, that it has to be this. Because it doesn't have to be right. anything. It's like... And that's part of that's part of me always kind of um, trying to find where I fit, you know, throughout life, you know, trying to find where I fit. You know, I'm Mexican American and I'm and I'm Jewish. Like those two different things. Um, but I fit in a way because I fit. I make myself fit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that everybody's really looking for for a place of belonging. So I think I was lucky with Bill to work with him because um, he just allowed me to be me. And and he just knows how I sing. And so I think when we were looking for music and for songs, we picked things that would um that would speak to me because I, I think when you listen to the album in its entirety, 
it's very um, in sync. Every song sounds like me. Yeah, every song has a narrative and every song sounds like me and fits so well with the other one. And so um, I think that theater performers used to be played on the radio a lot. And um, back in the 50s and 60s, like that's who we would listen to. And I think that there's a time for that again. I think that because of Hamilton and Dear Evan Hansen, and there's a reason that those those albums are going to number one because of the writers that are writing them. And I think that those writers need to be heard on a global level. And, and, I, and I'm they need proud the performers. Somebody, yeah. Yeah. And I'm proud to be somebody that Warner Music took a chance on with their new label and to say, yeah, let's, let's try this. And, and, um, and we love your, your album and let's, we want to put it out. So I, I feel fortunate that there's places, yeah, that there's places like that, that, that give, um, the artist a chance to, um, to musically grow because it's important. And, uh, I hope, and I can't wait for people to hear it because it's, um, I hope it moves mountains, you know? One of the songs that I hope uh, everybody listens to is Life is Sweet. It's a reunion with Chris Jackson from In the Heights. And as I read, you could not imagine anyone else to sing this song but Chris Jackson with you. And for anybody who has seen Mm -hmm. In the Heights, the musical, they understand that both of you were the centerpiece of the romance centerpiece of that show. Uh, how was it yeah. combining once again, getting back together with Chris Jackson and singing with him? Were you both in the studio? Was he in LA? You in New York? How did that work no, out? No, and we were in, we what were was in that the experience like? Uh huh. It was like a homecoming. <laughs> right. Whenever I see Chris or anybody from In the Heights, I feel like I'm home, and uh, that's just what that show meant to me, and um, the friendship that I have with Chris and the things that we've grown up together witnessing, you know, I was there when the first reading, his wife um, was pregnant with their son, CJ. I was there when CJ was born, um, not in the hospital, but I was there. And uh, when his daughter was born and he seen me in turn, like have a child and go through different shows and different things. And, and we've grown, um, we've grown together. You know, because we're always rooting for one another. Um, Chris has like a very special place in my heart, as well as um, the entire cast of of In the Heights. And uh, but there's something that happens when Chris and I sing that's magic. It's magic, and absolutely, it's magic. And um, and I was so excited because we didn't know. You know, we hadn't sung together in a while. Like we did Hamilton together, but. George Washington and Angelica don't really sing together. <laughs> and so um, this was really exciting to get in the studio and to go, oh, what is this? And it's like, we just move together when we sing. Like, it just happens because we know each other's voices so well. What is the song about? Life is Sweet. Well, Life is Sweet is, in my opinion, sometimes about a relationship. It can be interpreted as a relationship with yourself, a relationship as someone else, watching someone else go through a hard time. Um, It can be your own relationship, seeing relationships go up and down. It can be um, an experience that you've had that's tough, um, watching somebody fall that you've always admired, a friend. And it's about how do you go on? 
how do you keep going and finding um, finding the joy in life and putting one foot in front of the next? I think that um, life is sweet for me. That's what it's about. And I think that's why when I heard it for the first time, and it's written by Jennifer Nettles and Bill Sherman, and when I heard it for the first time, I knew that it was a song that I would, would love to sing because I know what it's like to have to put one foot in front of the other and um, to keep going. Sometimes you feel like, like giving up or you feel like, oh, this is just so hard. And it's like, well, I'm not going to wait and say, why me? I'm going to say, why not? Take all that I've been given <laughs> and turn it into living for somebody else. Whether that somebody else is another relationship, another family member, another whatever that is. It's about about strength and about, you know, keep going. And I thought Chris is also a fighter like mm-hmm. me. And uh, I knew that he would be the perfect person to also sing the song. Mandy, you seem to be such an inspirational person. Um, where do you get that from? I get that, I think, from my family. Um, and thank you for saying that. But I um, I really get it from my, my parents. My mother and my father both worked um, all through my childhood. Um, my mom just retired. <laughs> but when I feel tired or I feel oh my gosh, eight shows, like it's tough. I think about my dad who got up at four in the morning to walk to the carpool that same morning that I'm there. And I know he did it for us. Mm-hmm. And so there's inspiration in that. And I know about forgiveness because when my father and my mother first got together, um, her family wasn't very thrilled that she was marrying somebody that was not only um, Catholic, but Mexican-American, somebody from a different culture. And it would have been very easy for my parents to not forgive their family for that and to keep them out of uh, our life. But instead, my father said, no, that this is your, these are your parents. And therefore, I grew up not knowing any of this until I was older. And uh, my grandparents were a huge part of my life and mm-hmm. are the main reason that I'm singing today because my grandmother's love of music and her love of musical theater and her love of just all of her grandchildren, but the music that she instilled with me, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am. So I think I get it from some of those people that fought for me so that I would have a better life. You know, there's been so much talk about Latino underrepresentation in almost every dimension of the arts, from movies to television to uh-huh. Broadway, obviously. Um, how has being, right. how has your Hispanic heritage influenced who you are as a professional and as a person? I think that it influences a lot. Um, from the beginning. I think that when you're told that you can't audition for something because your last name is Gonzalez and that's not the kind of character we're looking for, um, or we're, so many things that I've been told and you should change your last name because it's less ethnic if you go to Smith or something like that. And I had to immediately tell myself what was important to me. And what was important to me is where I come from and my grandparents who came here for a better life and worked hard for this country. And so I kept Gonzalez with pride because I know that there are other artists before me that did the same thing, like Priscilla Lopez, Cheetah Rivera, people that I admire. Rita Moreno, yeah. But it's Rita Moreno and it's part of, because it's part of me. When I'm up on stage, I am Latin, so that's part of my character, you know, no matter what you see. So I think that um, there definitely is, I think, um, a way to find 
where we're being represented in the arts. Because I think Lin-Manuel is just one example, but John Leguizamo has a show coming out um, that I can't wait to see. Yeah. Uh, Lee Quinones is a graffiti artist out in um, out of New York that is uh, making some incredible work right now, as well as other friends that I have. My husband's a painter, so I'm very... Um, I go and I see a lot of things in visual arts as well. So I think that we're there. You just have to look. And then the people that are there, like people like myself, I think it's important for them to also open, keep opening the door for other, um, for other Latinas, other women um, to walk through. Because I think that's what's important is also giving back and make sure that, um, that it doesn't stop with you, that it keeps going. Were there ever any thoughts of doing a Spanish track? Um, there were, you know, um, I think that might be for my second album. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Album. I would love to hear you sing in Spanish. Oh, thanks. Well, you have to come to the Carlisle because you'll hear me sing in Spanish. Speaking but, of, um, by the way, speaking of the Carlisle, yeah. it's coming up. Uh, you're going to be having uh, dates from October 24th to November 4th in, if anybody who has yeah. not been to the Cafe Carlisle, it's one of New York's legendary supper clubs. To me, it's a it, it's yep. it, it's sort of a time travel back to the early age of uh, the 20th century. You have of, to get you have to get dressed up. There's no yeah. Oh style. yeah. The, no, no. It's, it's elegant, like, sophisticated. It's elegant. <laughs> what can we expect? It's fun, and I think everybody should have that experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What can we expect from the concert? How many songs are you going to sing? And I'm sure fans are dying to know if you're going to be singing any Hamilton songs. Well, there might be some stories. Mm-hmm. But um, there won't be any songs from Hamilton, but I'm singing about 15 songs. Um, some include songs from my album and some include songs from the history that I've had on stage. And some include songs that I grew up with and love and um, have always wanted to sing. So it's um, this, the show is called Fearless and it's a night of pure fun. And it's like a party, but with a little, a couple tears, I think. Well, we can't wait to go see you. Cafe Carlisle, October 24th to November 4th. The album is called Fearless. It drops October 20th, and you can pick it up on... Isn't it crazy, right, that I'm, you're actually hearing oh, your so album, and it's a concert at I'm Cafe Carlisle? You're doing it, girl. It's, so happy for it's you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Thanks, Jack. Thank and, you. Uh, and I'll see you at the Carlisle, yeah? Absolutely. I'm not going to miss it for anything. Ladies and gentlemen, Mandy Gonzalez, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks, Jack. Bye. We're going to have a one-night, eight-man tournament, the best fighter from Mexico, U.S., Spain, Peru, Colombia. And you gotta fight three times to win the $100,000. All fighting, all in one night, all happening in November. We haven't seen anything like this since I started the UFC nearly 25 years ago. The most amazing fucking thing the fight business has seen in 25 years. For many Hispanic Files subscribers, a lot of them woke up this week to find out that they no longer had Univision. Trust me, a lot of Abuelitas were 
really freaked out by this. For many Latinos, this is also unthinkable. How do I not have Univision? It's part of my daily life. Well, to explain to us exactly why Verizon blacked out Univision in this ugly war of words that they've gotten into, I got Rich Greenfield on the phone right now. He's a media futurist and tech analyst at BTIG. Rich, thank you so much for taking your time out. This is very heated. What's going on? Well, look, I, I, you know, I think there is an increasing friction between cable and satellite companies uh, who distribute lots of programs and MTV, etc. Right. You're starting to see, you know, the industry overall is changing dramatically. More consumers are using services like Netflix. They're using Hulu. services like Amazon. Exactly. There, there is this explosion of choice that whether you're English speaking, um, Hispanic and prefer English, Hispanic, Spanish language, you know, preferring in terms of programming, you have, you know, essentially an unlimited amount of choices of new and old programming that you can watch with a click of a button. Right. And much of it for a price value, you know, if you think about the price that most of your listeners are paying for a service like Netflix or Amazon, where they're getting video programming and music thrown in with their two day shipping service. The price value looks dramatically different than the 80, 100, if not dramatically more that they're paying uh, to a Fios or to a, you know, a charter spectrum in New York City. The price value is completely uh, out of whack. Well, I'm one of them, Rich. I'm one of them. I actually, uh, I have time. I had Time Warner for years. And then just recently, about a year ago, I cut the cord. I'm one of those guys. Uh, I got DirecTV now. I had Hulu Live TV. I got Netflix. And to be honest with you, I I really feel like I don't need anything else. So I'm I'm that guy that you're talking about. Unfortunately, I don't have Fios. But I understand. But but, but Jack, in some ways, in in many ways, you're... The reason, like it's it's because of consumers like you who are making this very logical price value decision of right. Why am I paying all of this money for this service? Um, That's exactly and, it. And so the tensions between distributor, so cable companies, sat or satellite companies, telecom companies like Verizon, the tension between them and the programming which they pay for every single month are building. And so I think, you know, unfortunately, the viewers that you're talking about in the Fios footprint, they get caught in the middle, right? Because they just, they feel like they're paying lots of money. They just want to watch the programming that they thought they were paying for. And this is really frustrating to the viewer. Um, the, 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 what's crazy in my mind about this dispute is that I don't think Univision is the reason why the bundle's price has gotten so absurdly out of whack. I mean, if you look at Univision, um, I think what, you know, it's still you know, substantial ratings, you know, for the Hispanic um, demographics inside of... It's about any- 1.7 million now uh, compared to 3.5 back in, uh, uh, in 2006. So in the last 10 years, we've seen a massive dip all the way to 1.7 where Telemundo now is competitive. And at some months and, and, and weeks, they're number one. So... Uh, Verizon supposedly said that th- that that was one of the reasons declining ratings and that uh, they were doubling their price on these retransmission fees. What exactly are retransmission fees? So for a cable operator or like a BIOS to retransmit 
an over-the-air signal because Univision is a broadcaster. They broadcast free-to-air. I mean, mm-hmm. any one of your subscriber, or sorry, any one of your listeners to your podcast could just go out and buy an antenna and watch Univision for free. I mean, they don't have to pay for any cable or satellite service. That's true. Fair. So in order to take that signal from over-the-air and transmit it over wires to your house... They actually need to sign a deal, and those deals are called retransmission consent deals. And Uh, those deals have been getting more expensive. But where I was going with this is the problem, the bundle's problem, is not Univision. The bundle's problem is the abuse of cost that networks like ESPN have forced down consumers' throats. Because consumers who are subscribing for things like Univision and Telemundo these bundles also have ESPN and ESPN2, where they're right. paying $9 a month, whether they watch those channels or not. They're paying for the SEC network. They're paying for the ACC network in a couple of years, which is about to launch. They're paying for ESPN Classic and ESPN News, and they're paying for a whole host uh, of cable networks from Disney that get bundled into the umbrella of ESPN. Um, and you could do the same analysis for Fox Sports and, and Fox Channels and all of those regional sports networks. The, the, the problem is sports. I mean, the problem is, is that <laughs> right. every single consumer <laughs> is paying for sports, whether they watch it or not. It's because and of those rights for I, all these games. They're worth so much. I mean, uh, uh, NBC Universal paid $600 million for the World Cup rights. Fox, I think, bought it for for 300 And now that the U.S. isn't even going, there was all this chatter that uh, ad money is going to be extremely low. So I can see why, uh, you know, uh, uh, subscribers... Especially Hispanic ones for that that that, are, that just want Univision, not the other sports, have to be the innocent victims to all this digital rights and rights to everything that costs them so much. Well, look, it's why we created a hashtag called "Good Luck Bundle" because the problem is that this bundle has gotten bloated and fat. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're choosing something like Directv now, which is a slim down bundle. In fact, if you're an AT and T subscriber. The low-end DirecTV now package is only $10 a month, and it comes with free HBO. And so the price value of some of these new options is compelling. And I think, you know, as programming disputes like you're talking about with Univision um, become more commonplace, because I think they're going to. I mean, I think that's the fact of life for, you know, the legacy big players in this universe, like a Fios and a Charter and a Contest. These battles are going to get more contentious there are going to be programming disruptions. And I think the reality is it's going to drive more and more consumers to find alternatives. And it sounds like you already found one, but my guess is we see more and more of that over time as these battles and as the tension in this universe grows. Um, I wanted to ask you, Rich, do you think any ethical lines were crossed here by Verizon? Uh, The reason I'm saying this is just because of the delicate timing of the blackout. It's Mexico's in the middle of earthquakes. 62 to 67% of the United States uh, in terms of Hispanics are Mexican. Puerto Ricans are the second largest population demographically in the United States in terms of Latinos uh, after them. So we're talking about a massive chunk of Hispanics that tune into Univision uh, no longer have this. Do you think that Verizon went a little too far with us? I mean, look, I, I, I flip it around to some degree. You know, Univision is available over the air for free. And so it's not like anybody essentially mm-hmm. who wants to get it can't get access to it. There are plenty of cheap options. There's also you know, Telemundo. Sign, <laughs> look, you could, you could go sign up. No, but look, you could go sign up for 
you know, you could sign up for Sling or DirecTV now, save a ton of money versus Fios. I mean, I think, I, I guess I turned the question around that the price value of, of the bundle is so out of whack and it's, it's really fallen so dramatically relative to new options. I think the real question for your listeners is why are they not cutting the cord and following what you've done? Right. Well, this is what I've been, I've been preaching this to anybody who wants to listen. I just, I say, I must have saved like $70, $80 a month just by getting rid of Time Warner. And, well, I think uh, what's even more amazing, Jack, is that not only do you save that amount of money, but on top of that, you know, if over the summer you're not really going to be using it, it's really easy to cancel for the summer or cancel for the month of December if you're traveling. I mean, you end up with far more flexibility. Nobody ever cancels their charter spectrum or their you know Verizon FiOS for a month or two because the process of waiting for someone to install and returning it, it's all so cumbersome. But the service like DirecTV now, as you know, signing up and canceling is like the click of a button. Yeah, that's exactly it. Absolutely. Um, do you know how much Verizon is saving by not having to pay Univision carriage fees anymore? It's a delicate question because there is certainly, the longer this lasts, you have to believe that there are some, you know, given especially given markets like New York City, uh, you're going to lose subscribers. And so a loss of subscribers, remember, it's not just losing a video subscriber to someone like DirecTV now or to, um, you know, a Spectrum. But if you lost a subscriber from Verizon to Spectrum, you're not just losing video. You could also be losing that broadband subscriber. And so Ugh. the, you know, the impact of this could be far bigger than just, you know, the, the cost savings from not having that programming. And so that's really the risk over time. And again, I don't know the number of Hispanic homes or the Hispanic focused subscribers that BIOS has. But I think, you know, obviously given the market they're in, it, it certainly has to be something they're concerned about. Rich, thank you so much for your explanation. I think you really clarified exactly what's going on at the heart of this problem. Rich Greenfield, he's a media futurist and tech analyst at BTIG. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good luck. And that's it for episode 53 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Mandy Gonzalez and Rich Greenfield for being on the show. And I want to thank you guys for taking the time out to listen from your favorite streaming platform wherever you may be. If you like this U.S. Latino podcast, please share it on your social media apps. Tell your friends all about it. And if you can, have them subscribe and please have them review the show with your reviews. That's how we get on the top of the charts. Hope you enjoy your weekend and stay connected with us via showbizcafe.com. See you next week on another episode of... Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. 
That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.